Welcome to Centerpoint Church Podcast. At Centerpoint Church, we are a community of believers impacted by God's saving grace and the love that He demonstrated in Jesus Christ. Our response to this amazing grace is to allow it to transform our lives and to share it with others. As a body of believers, we find our purpose in knowing Christ, growing together, and reaching beyond ourselves to help others do the same. As we wrap up our tug-of-war series, we are reminded that we are all on a journey of transformation. Where are you on this journey? Good morning. Good to see you today. My name is Chris Godfordson, and it's my pleasure to serve Centerpoint Church as the campus pastor here in Sioux Center. If you're with us for the first time today, or if this is one of your first times, we're really glad you're here. We've been expecting you. We hope that you find and feel as though you belong here. Secondly, uh, if you're with us on Channel 77 or online, uh, a special thanks to you. Like it takes intentional effort uh, to not just keep doing what we do day in and day out. So welcome to you. I'm really glad that you're here. Uh, I'm glad you're here today, and I want to invite you to be with us next week. Because next week we kick off a new series uh, that begins the season of Lent for us. And and the series will be titled, um, Who Do You Say I Am? Uh, There will be a study guide available to you. You can download it at wearecenterpoint.com. Invite your family, friends to engage uh, the content together over the course of time. You can also pick up a copy at Next Steps today, next week, throughout the course of the series. That's an invitation to you to, to come back and be with us again next week. And the other announcement that I have for this morning is this. Uh, On Wednesday night, we kick off the Lenten season with our Ash Wednesday service. Uh, We will stream it. It'll be available online. But um, it will begin at 6 o'clock. Begins at 6 because Awana happens on Wednesday night as well. And we want uh, the Awana kids to be able to engage and participate with us in this um, special uh, uh, event. service. We want our kids to be able to participate too, and then go about the rest of their evening. So that's the invitation. Be with us again Wednesday evening, friends. But today, we're going to come to the end of what we think has been a pretty good series to start the year 2024. Um, If you've been with us at all, you know that we've been working our way through the book of Jonah, and and we've been looking at all the ways um, that uh, there's this tug of war going on, but the story of Jonah invites us uh, to align with the mercy of God. That's where we've been. And and we've been following a couple of particular characters through the course of this series, Uh, primarily a merciful God and a superhuman Jonah. Not superhuman, but like really human Jonah. These have been the primary consistent um, characters and participants in the book of Jonah. And over the course of these several weeks, Um, We've seen the mercy of God on full display, and we've seen the brokenness of humanity on full display as well. 
If you'll recall with me in week one, God provided the word of the Lord to Jonah. And Jonah said, no thanks, I don't want to do what you're asking me to do. And he turned and he went the opposite way. He did not participate in what God wanted him to do. And, and we've met additional characters throughout the course of the series. We met some sailors. Uh, we met um, the captain of a ship. And Jonah uh, was confronted with his disobedience. He was um, hurled into the sea. Ultimately, God extended mercy to Jonah by saving him. And then he extends mercy to those sailors as well through um, calling them to salvation. They aligned their lives with the mercy of God. It was a, a powerful example where these people who were outside of the family of God had an encounter. I mean, they were worshiping their own gods, but they had an encounter with our God, and then God saved them too. It's been really powerful. In week three, Pastor Jamie uh, was on the stage in Haywarden, and uh, what, what, what usually happens is Jamie gets a difficult text to preach. It's pretty great. Um, thank you for doing that. Um, but he, he talked to us and, and showed us how God provided all kinds of ways um, for Jonah to experience mercy. Um, he showed us how the not surrendered, surrendered life isn't very compelling. Um, he helped us see that uh, being a, a small king in a small kingdom um, is also not very compelling. And so the call for Christians is to get in alignment with the mercy of God so that um, we can really understand that. And the invitation for us, for you, was to understand that the journey of transformation is one that's both down and in. And finally, last week, um, we had a conversation where the word of the Lord was again provided to Jonah. And this time, Jonah actually obeyed. It was pretty miraculous. He went to the people of Nineveh. He preached what he was told to preach. And um, the people of God had an encounter with the Lord. Um, they reflected on the encounter that they had, and then they were transformed. And ultimately, that's the invitation to you and to me that we would have encounters, that we would reflect on these encounters, and that we would be transformed. I mean, it is amazing to me how, how it happened. I mean, Jonah obeyed. He went and he preached the message, and every single person looked to your right and to your left. I mean, every single person in the city of Nineveh was transformed. They were all saved. And all of that sets the stage for today, for the final week in our tug of war, if you will. And what I want to say is, if only that was true. If only after the preaching of the word today, you would never have another struggle. Isn't that something that you would sign up for? Yes. Same. Me too. God desperately desires that, that we would align our lives with the grace and peace and mercy of God. And, and what I want you to understand about this journey is it's, just, it's not this destination that we are going to arrive at. At some day, we will be glorified. But until then, we get to continue to take the steps that are necessary so that we would be transformed. 
And today, the the necessary step is to grab your Bible or a preferred electronic device in which you read Scripture, and we're going to wrap up this series from Jonah chapter 4. Again, Jonah is between Obadiah and Micah in the Bible. It's um, roughly past halfway through your Scripture, and uh, we're going to look at this particular story. Jonah chapter 4 in its totality. But before we do that, we're we're going to go to Jonah chapter 4, but I want to remind you what happened at the end of chapter 3. I think it's useful for us to do this as we um, dive into chapter 4. We'll pray in just a second. But but look with me at the end of Jonah chapter 3. I mean, it says, when God saw what they did and how they my addition here, those wayward Ninevites turned from their evil ways, he relented, and he did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. God showed the people of Nineveh mercy. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I ask that your word would be our rule, your spirit our teacher, and the glory of Jesus, even in an Old Testament text, our single concern. Amen. Friends, hear these words from the book that we love, Jonah chapter 4. But to Jonah, this, the, 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 the saving of the Ninevites, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord, Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? This is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, Lord, take away my life. For it is better for me to die than to live. But the Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry? Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plant. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed up the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die. And said, it would be better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? It is, he said. And I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you have been concerned about this plant, though you didn't tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight, and it died overnight. And should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals? 
Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Every Monday, our worship planning team meets, and and throughout the course of this series, we've uh, talked ad nauseum about the fact that the one constant in all this, on top of the mercy of God, is that this story and this book in the scriptures isn't really uh, like the one that is portrayed in our children's Bibles or in our kids' ministry materials that we often share. I mean, how many of you are even familiar with Jonah chapter 4. Good, hey, I've got some hands. Now we'll see if, you, we'll see if there's other hands. Um, I want to help you today. I want to make you feel good about yourselves. Um, who heard that there was a happy ending here? Was there a happy ending? Did you read one? Way to go. I mean, the, we, we want a happy ending, don't we? And, and not raising your hands, which a lot of us is like normal. We don't want to raise our hands so people won't see us. But not raising your hand today is actually winning. Good job. Um, we, we want the happy ending. And, and, and if Jonah was transformed at the end of chapter 3, he's back in need of a chiropractor now in chapter 4 because he's out of alignment. Again, he's doing the things that he does because he is not happy about what's going on. Jonah is human, and yet God is merciful. I mean, God did exactly what he said he was going to do. He did exactly what he said was going to be done, extending mercy to a people who weren't really his people. I mean, yes, God created the Ninevites too, just like he created the the people of Israel, but these people were outside of the family of God. And yet, God extended mercy to them when Jonah preached the word. And Jonah is angry. I mean, he's so angry, in fact, he just wants to die. Things did not go his way. So he wants to give up. Have you ever wanted to quit? Have you ever just wanted to give up? It's like, this is enough. Maybe it's a job. Maybe you want to quit that job that you've been in that isn't going the way you want it to. Maybe it's a relationship. I don't know. Maybe it's bailing on your teammates, and maybe, just maybe, maybe there's been a moment in your life where you've just wanted to die. Well, Jonah is hot. He's hopping mad, and he tells God that I just want to die. He would rather be dead than to carry on. He would rather be dead than to have been a party to what it is that God was doing. Rather than aligning with mercy, just let me die. He knows that God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. And he doesn't want to be connected to that. And the mercy of God is rather than striking Jonah dead in the moment, rather than taking Jonah out to the metaphorical and proverbial woodshed, God again extends mercy to Jonah. Look with me at verse 4, please. Is it right for you to be angry? God asks Jonah a question. 
I don't see God being angry with Jonah's anger. Do you? He doesn't say, it's wrong for you to be angry, Jonah. He asks a question. Is it right for you to be angry? I sense God wanting Jonah to take a look at his life, to to get back onto the transformational journey, to, to take a look and say, huh, is what I'm doing the way that I should be behaving right now as somebody who knows God? It's as if God is asking Jonah to get up into the balcony to look over his life and say, what and why am I acting and behaving the way I'm acting and behaving? It feels a little bit to me as though there's... Um, God's question to Jonah might be an invitation to us as well. Like, when we have experiences like this, and when we have encounters, do we reflect on them enough so that we might get back on the transformational journey? I I just don't think that God um, is unable to deal with Jonah's anger. I think that God is asking Jonah to look at his life. I mean, there's other places in Scripture where we see God's anger. Look with me at Exodus 22. The words will be on the screen for you. Do not mistreat or oppress a foreigner, for you are foreigners in Egypt. Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If you do and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused, and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives will become widows, and your children fatherless. This is what God's anger sounds like. Uh, But the New Testament also shows us, and we can come to grips with the fact that anger is an actual thing. Anger itself isn't a sin, friends. It's what we do in our anger and with our anger that becomes sin. Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. This, friends, the mercy of God is phenomenal. To me. Is it to you? As I, as I think about Jonah 4 in this entire story, God's mercy is hard to grasp. It's like God is, says to Jonah, I don't think the path you're going down is one that you're going to enjoy. You're getting really close to the line, the line between right and wrong. You're getting close to the line of sinning. Maybe, just maybe, stop, buddy. (laughs) Don't push it today, because you're going to regret that decision. And as I read this text, and as I reread the text, and reread it again this week, I felt like Jonah felt resentful that God did what God said he was going to do. God was out of alignment with the way Jonah thought that God should behave, and he's provoked, he's hostile, he's infuriated, and all of those kinds of emotions. His feelings 
Um, he felt all the feels. They were real, and um, he expressed them. He did, Jonah. And, and people smarter than me um, understand that our feelings often lead to behavior. There's this thing known as the feelings wheel. And um, if we zone in even closer on that feelings wheel, what I want you to see today is like um, anger is in the middle there. Can we go to the next slide? When, when, we, when we feel betrayed, um, it comes because there's a close connection to feeling let down, which uh, comes from this place of anger. When we, when we are furious, um, it comes because we're mad which also comes from this place of being angry. When we are provoked or hostile, it, we, we have become aggressive. And, and that comes from a place of anger. Anger is not right or wrong. It, it just is. Do you, friends, do you ever get angry? Both hands should be in the air right now. Do you ever get angry? Thank you, those of you who are being honest and participating today. Because what I want you to understand is um, it's okay to be angry. And, and because we all get angry. And what I want you to, to see and to understand is um, this is the place. Um, you belong here. People who get angry and are angry um, belong here, just like people who aren't angry. But you, friends, you belong here. You belong um, in the family of God. And it's okay. In your anger, there's an opportunity for you to get up in the balcony and to look at your life and to ask yourself some questions and, and to realize that the, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, even to me and even to you. The mercy of God is phenomenal. It's Super Bowl Sunday. Who's excited for the Super Bowl? Yes, okay. Where are my Chiefs fans? <laughs> Where are my Brock Purdy fans? Come on, you Hawkeyes can get your hands in the air for Brock Purdy today. It should be fun. It's going to be a great time. Uh, I love watching the Super Bowl. But, but even better than that, even better than that this week is um, pitchers and catchers report this week, and four of us might be excited. I know two of us are. Two of us are excited that pitchers and catchers report to spring training and um, baseball season is right around the corner because when football's over, it's time for some baseball. And there's this guy who created the game of baseball. His name is Abner Doubleday. Have you heard of Abner Doubleday? I wonder if Abner, Doub Abner Doubleday believed in God and was a Christian. And you're like, what is he doing now? Fair. I need a drink. I'm going to let you sit with that for a second. Because one of the things about the game of baseball that's pretty cool is one of the rules is um, three strikes and you're out. A perfect game in the game of baseball is nine innings of three up, 
three down. Nobody makes it to base. Have you noticed? And did you notice um, today? And have you noticed throughout the course of the series, all of the threes? Jonah was in the belly of the fish how many days? Three. Way to go. Jonah spent how long in the city of Nineveh? Three days. How many times did Jonah say in chapter 4 that it would be better for him to be dead? Three. And how many times? And how many times did God question and extend mercy to Jonah in this text by asking a question, by inviting him to get up into the balcony? How many? Three. Twice he asked him, is it okay? Is it right for you to be angry? And then the last time he said, should I, have not, should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh? in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and also many animals. Should I not have concern for them? He asked the question. And this number, three, is deeply rooted in the Scriptures. In the Old Testament, three means divine perfection, completeness, and wholeness. And in the New Testament... We see the number three all over the place, right? Jesus was three days in the tomb before he was raised from the dead. Peter denied Jesus three times, just like Jesus told him he would do. And then Jesus, the exemplar of mercy and grace, asked our boy Peter three times this question as he restores him. When they finished eating, John chapter 21, when they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then he said to him, follow me. I wonder, and I, I would invite you to wonder with me, is it possible that Jonah, that God all along, is it possible that all along God has been restoring Jonah? I mean, the text tells us in chapter 4 that the Lord provided three things for Jonah. He provided a leafy plant the Lord provided a worm, and the Lord provided a scorching east wind. Sounds awesome, right? For us, it's like the south wind in the dead of summer. He provided all three of these things to be merciful to Jonah. He provided all three things so that, the, the, so that he could receive 
mercy, that he would be transformed. And I wonder, for us, is it possible that you're just a step or two or maybe three from being transformed? Is it possible that that God wants to extend mercy and grace to you in such a way that he continues to invite you up into the balcony to take a good look at your life by engaging in an intentional practice? Maybe it's fasting. Maybe it's humbling yourself. Maybe it's praying. Maybe there's something that you need to repent from so that you, too, might be made perfect, complete, and whole. Is it possible? I mean, I I said earlier that you belong here. And I mean that deep in my being. You belong here. We, we no longer live by this mantra that says, if you behave, believe like us and behave like us, then you can belong. That's a bounded set approach to looking at life and ministry. What we believe to be true is you actually belong here and that Jesus is the center and the point of everything that we do. And each one of us is somewhere in proximity to Jesus. It could be that you are a long ways off and you are taking steps to Jesus. It could be that you are right next to Jesus, but you are going the way of Jonah. And what I want to say to you is, get up in the balcony and take a look. See what it is that you might be missing, and don't go away from God. Go to God. Because that's the, that's the invitation. The invitation is to continue to be on this journey of transformation to get in alignment with the grace and mercy of God. And I can't do it. You can't do it alone, and neither can I. That's why I said earlier, I mean, I'm so grateful that I get to be on this journey with you. We cannot, church. In fact, we will not do it alone. And as I think about this, Sai and I were talking about this at the end of the week. And it seems like Jonah is on this heads, hands, and heart kind of journey. He, he knows God. It's true. And, and Sai talks about this a lot in this class that he teaches called Real Life Discipleship Training. Uh, please engage the course. It's fantastic. Um, we can know God in our head. Jonah knew God. Um, Jonah did things with his hands for God. He got his hands dirty. But did Jonah know God? Jonah would be really um, busy. He would trust God in his head because he knew from his previous experience that if he prophesied, then God would do what he said he would do. He knew in his head. Do you know God there? Do you know God in your head? Jonah was also busy doing things with his hands. Um, He got into action, oftentimes without spending much time thinking, but he would just do things for God, kind of like going to the city of Nineveh in chapter 3 and praying this message. We don't know if he did it with boastful, joyful, boisterous, joyful enthusiasm, or he just did the thing. Do you know God like this? Do you do things for God, but don't know him? Because that's the invitation. I mean, the invitation is with all your heart to open your heart to let God in there so that all of the things that you think and say and do would be for the glory of God. 
Do you know God like this? Do you know God with every fiber of your being? Have you surrendered your entire life, all of it, to God? Because this is my prayer for you. And I know how incredibly hard it is. And, and there's no condemnation when we don't, when we miss the mark, when we take something back, then we go back to God and say, I'm really sorry that I did that thing and I took it back. Because God is merciful and gracious. He wants deep, heartfelt communion with you. And that's what I want for you, church. We don't know what happens to Jonah. We, we don't hear about Jonah again. I mean, there's, there is no seeming happy ending, and yet I wonder if that's inaccurate. Maybe there is a happy ending here. Could that be possible? I mean, Jonah actually wrote down the story for us to grasp and to understand, and he did it with um, a, an incredible amount of humility, in my opinion, because he showed you all of his foibles and failures. It seems like that's pretty fantastic. So, so we have the benefit of learning from Jonah's experience just how gracious and merciful the God we love and serve is. And if God was merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love for somebody who was so blatantly disobedient and hard-headed as Jonah, don't you think how much more merciful and gracious will the Lord of the universe be with us? How much more? As this series concludes... I want to invite you. I'm going to give you just a few seconds. I want you to think about that centered set idea, that centered set idea. Jesus is the center. And celebrate where you are in this transformational journey. Just take a couple of minutes, a couple seconds. Think about it. Where are you? And give thanks. And then, as, as you move closer and closer to Jesus, I want, I want to invite you to think about what it is that you need to surrender. Or re-surrender and re-surrender and re-surrender. Because we should celebrate where it is that we find ourselves. And then we should also reflect on where it is that we might be missing it. And as we get clear on these things, celebrate the good things, friends. 
and pay attention to where you're missing it, and then give it back to God. Uh, the invitation is to open yourselves up to, um, to being open-headed. That's not the good use of the language. Be open-minded with what it is that God is inviting you to, with what God invites you to consider. Be open-handed with your life, with the things that God calls you to do, the things that God is calling you to do, the things that um, God is calling you to give up. Be open-handed, friends. And and then be open-hearted. Allow the grace and mercy of God to overwhelm you in such a way that you will follow him. Let's pray. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I give you thanks, O Lord, for this text, for the invitation, and for the ways in which you have shown us just how gracious and merciful you are. I pray that we would never be the same. I pray, O God, that we would indeed be open minded to the call that you have in our lives, that we would be open-handed with our lives, and that we would be open-hearted, so desperately um, um, grateful for the grace that you extend us and the mercy that is ours in your Son, Jesus Christ, that the world that we live in would never be the same. God, for those who are grieving, for those uh, suffering through illness and diagnosis and all of those things, we pray that your spirit would be with them too. Would you be merciful to them and their families in this moment? That's my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Centerpoint Church Podcast. Be sure to keep up with us on social media at facebook.com slash wearecenterpoint or on Instagram at wearecenterpoint. We hope to see you soon in person for worship on Sundays at 9.30. Thank you.